This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This is not your century. This is not your century, where we celebrate the news and the news media of centuries gone by. I'm King Kaufman. September 17, 1920. The National Football League is born. Sort of. It wasn't the National Football League yet. It was the American Professional Football Association, or APFA. It became the NFL in 1922, and it wasn't exactly new. College football was the big sport, but there had been pro teams since the 1890s. By the teens, there were various regional leagues around the Midwest and the East. They sometimes included college players, and they sometimes even played against college teams. This wasn't a great system for team owners. They had to engage in bidding wars for players, and there was always a danger that their best players would be poached by a team from another league. The solution? Form a single national league with everyone following the same rules. Four teams from a circuit called the Ohio League got together first, meeting in a car dealership in Canton and emerging as the American Pro Football Conference. They were the Canton Bulldogs, the Cleveland Tigers, the Dayton Triangles, and the Akron Pros. The next month, they invited teams from the New York Pro Football League and some independent teams to that same Canton car dealership. There were so many people at this meeting that they had to sit on the running boards of the cars in the showroom. One of them was George Hallis an employee of the A.E. Staley Manufacturing Company, owner of the Decatur Staley's. The new members of the American Professional Football Association agreed to respect each other's contracts, not hire college players, and obey a salary cap. There was no set schedule. Teams would set up their own games as the season went along, and at the end of the year, the teams would vote for a champion. The first winner? The Akron Pros. And they elected a president, Jim Thorpe, who also happened to be a player on the Canton Bulldogs. That might seem like a conflict of interest, but the hero of the 1912 Olympics was the most famous guy in the league, and they were hoping his name would get him in the papers. It did, a little bit. The first mention of the American Professional Football Association in the faraway San Francisco Chronicle came in early December, when the sports page had a small story headlined, Jim Thorpe Still Playing Football. It noted that the Buffalo All-Americans had beaten the Canton Bulldogs 7-3, despite a strong game from Thorpe, the former star at Carlisle Indian School. That was the college in Pennsylvania that Thorpe had attended, and it was threatening to disown him for playing pro football, or at least to withdraw the letters he'd earned there. Like a lot of colleges at the time, Carlisle prohibited its graduates from playing professional football, though its enforcement mechanism, withdrawing athletic letters, was pretty weak sauce. That was the subject of the article the next time the Chronicle mentioned the new Pro Football League. In mid-December, the father of football himself chimed in that the idea of colleges pulling letters from players because they turned pro was, this is a technical football term, silly. The father of football was Walter Camp, 
He'd coached Stanford to the national championship in 1892, but before that he'd played at Yale in the way early days. And that nickname wasn't just messing around. He invented the line of scrimmage and yard lines and downs and the quarterback position, among other things. He also said he thought pro football was going to be a success. I am convinced it is here to stay, he said. There's no reason why it should fail. And he was right. The NFL staggered through the 20s with teams coming and going, moving around, losing money. Things started to stabilize in the 30s, and when television came along, the NFL surpassed college football and eventually all other American sports. There are two teams still going who came out of that meeting at the car dealership in Canton on September 17, 1920. The Racine Cardinals, who played not in Racine, Wisconsin, but on Racine Avenue in Chicago, are now the Arizona Cardinals. And in 1921, Mr. A.E. Staley gave the Decatur Staleys to his employee and coach, George Hallis. And he gave him $5,000 to keep the name Staley's for one year, even though the team was moving from Decatur to Chicago. So it wasn't until 1922 that they became the Chicago Bears. This has been Not Your Century, a production of the San Francisco Chronicle. Audrey Cooper, Editor-in-Chief. Get great journalism today at sfchronicle.com. I'm King Kaufman. Talk to me on Twitter at King underscore Kaufman. We now return you to your century.